welcome to the Lightly Literary Podcast, the only book club podcast that's got access to limitless supplies of canned beef tongue. So don't ask, mm. don't tell policy. You don't ask us where we got the canned beef tongue. And we won't tell you the origins of it, I think. That seems fair. Yeah. <laughs> Amanda, do you have a canned beef tongue supplier? You got one on the line? No, and it's weird. Like, I, I tongue does not... Mm-mm, no, but I will eat some oxtail soup. Don't ask me why, but that's it's just my jam. Yeah, I've had a few cuts in my day that I, I don't know if I'll revisit, but I think I've tried most things. I don't think I've tried tongue, so that one's that one's on the back burner for yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to admire, though, the whole kind of um, waste not, want not, want not, waste not. Who knows the order of those things? But I think I've, <laughs> I respect that. I respect the idea that you should consume, you know, use as much as possible if we're going to... If we're going to eat animals, we should probably not treat them recklessly or, you know, wantonly or something. Anyway. Yeah. We can get off the beef tongue chatter. Who knows how many potential <laughs> listeners have already spooked off with this opening. So sometimes the jokes <laughs> like, aren't oh worth it. Yeah. <laughs> if you have no idea why we're discussing our limitless supplies of canned beef tongue, that is because you've stumbled upon a book club episode. These are our analytical deep dive episodes about a book that we've been reading. Today we have a correspondence a series of correspondence, I guess would be the best way to say it. It is a correspondence called 84 Charing Cross Road, which is a series of letters written between a book reader and a bookseller, one American, the other uh, English, British. And that's what we'll be talking about today. If you've never listened to the podcast before, we welcome you for the first time. Uh, thanks for joining us on the show. The social media accounts we have for our podcast are on Instagram and Facebook, and they are at the Lightly Literary Podcast, and that's all one word. So we're pretty easy to find check us out there for general updates promotions about what we're reading promotions as in you know we update the schedule uh none of them are paid promotions we're we're an unsponsored show at present so those are just that you can keep up with us and know what we're reading check us out too on any podcast platform any ratings reviews that you can leave are helpful so wherever you stumbled upon this episode is perfectly fine keep listening there and again any ratings help us a ton today we'll be spoiling the first half of this book which i guess you could say it has spoilers since it's a there's some personal details and information but nonfiction it's always a strange term to to use to apply mm-hmm. yeah and we decided to read so this is a tough one to also describe because our book clubs we always split the book in half or as close to half as we can do um this one's a toughie because they're not really segmented into parts or sections the letters are dated so apparently we read through the letter that is dated May 4th, 1952, which in your version is page 50. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I read through that one, but I got close enough. I think I may have read through 47 or 48 or something, but close enough to do the book club episode anyhow. So we will be spoiling and discussing, again, the first half roughly of 84 Charing Cross Road by who who do they give credit to? I guess it's a couple authors. Yeah, but I think um, Helen Honf is the one who kind of comp like compilate made the compilation mm. so i she, think it's technically under her name gotcha she's the one who put it all together published a volume it's quite a slim volume which if you've at this point in the podcast if you listen to our recommendation i'm sure we discussed just in broad strokes or broad terms but yes it's a quite a short book under 100 pages which has been a nice nice little treat to break things up do something very bite-sized very digestible any content yeah. warnings amanda before we jump in 
Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so either. It's, I mean, there's like yeah. loose talk of the war being world that war being World War Two, but absolutely nothing in detail. So, yeah, yeah, excellent. No content warnings. Let's dive in and start spoiling this thing. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. We start book clubs with a 60-second summary challenge. This is when each of us gets uh, 60 seconds on the timer to try and summarize everything we can remember about reading this half of this work. And so, again, this is a letter correspondence back and forth between a couple of people. And uh, you will go first, right? Because you chose. Is that the rule? Uh, I think so, yeah. Okay, cool. So you'll be the first to try and summarize everything in 60 seconds. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Let's do this. Okay. You can start right now. (laughs) Um, so Helen Hunt reaches out to a bookseller um, in England because she's looking for um, old um, copies, secondhand copies, but they're, she wants them in good condition. And um, she starts up a correspondence. Uh, once they send her a book, they start chatting back and forth. Helen shows a lot of personality. She befriends them. Um, there's Frank Dole in particular that she talks to, who's like the one in charge of her account. But then she starts conversing with other members um, of their team. And she starts sending them presents over there because they are um, rationing. They're getting really, they're hit really hard with a depression after World War two and um she's talked about her life as a script writer and um as somebody who's holed up in new york city and kind of like she talks about like smoking and drinking and stuff but nice you got spare time (laughs) you want to do anything extra (laughs) i'm trying to think of what else i could say i don't i don't know (laughs) okay we could stop early i mean you basically used uh, i think it was 51 or two you were close that was great yeah nice excellent uh and i will jump in yours was thorough though so i don't i'll just add on and try and reiterate some key points but that was yeah that was good in a book like this as brief as it's been not a ton of yeah i mean there's i guess little things you could always pick up on but anyway i will start in a second myself see if i can do it in 60 seconds i'll start now Helen Hoff is a writer in New York. She's sassy, she's fun, she's funny, and she begins to reach out to a British bookseller for some old editions. She hates American publications because they're cheap and they look bad, and she likes the British ones. Uh, They do get her some books, and they start to sell her things, but in the meantime, she kind of gives them a hard time and is personal with them and kind of just enjoys interacting and writing with them, so they strike up a personal correspondence. She ends up communicating with a bunch of people in the bookseller office in London. She kind of wants to go to London. It's a thing we didn't mention, which is she kind of has this affinity for England, or at least London is curious about it. Um, She helps them out, sends them gifts during the war. She's very generous. A lot of eggs, a lot of eggs and egg powder she sends, and meats and things, um, canned beef tongue, for example. And so she gets to know some of the people personally at the bookshop. They continue to sell her books also. Some of that is included, that they do continue to do deals. She hates some of the things they send her, and then she's blown away by others like collector's items to her and in the meantime she works as kind of a poor scriptwriter in new york who yeah likes kind of a shut-in all right that was my yeah. minute i just tried to throw in that as many great. personality words as i could that you didn't say <laughs> yeah that's the thing is like this is definitely more of like a, a person's like a study of a person's writing style and personality more than anything so. right right it makes sense that she published it because if well i suppose we'll just jump into the quotes now but (laughs) i'll say that if she weren't writing it then this would kind of be a whole lot of nothing but the fact that she is is you know it's kind of the point of the book anyway or the reason to come to it so let's jump into our quotes for clarification there's yeah those are good summaries honestly maybe our best work but also the you know is the least burdensome (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah (laughs) the least challenging to summarize so that makes sense and we rose to the occasion uh let's do our quotes for clarification this is always our part two in a book club where we discuss specific 
specific moments from the works that we think were meaningful, parts that we just want to analyze more, dive into, and chat about. Why don't, again, you go first, I guess. Your book, your pick. Let's dig in. What do you want to chat about? Um, we'll talk about the very first letter and the very first page. Nice. Um, this is uh, when Helen reaches out to um, the the group and... I just thought it was hilarious. Um, your ad in the Saturday Review of Literature says that you specialize in out-of-print books. The phrase antiquarian bookseller scares me somewhat as I equate antique with expensive. I am a poor writer with an antiquarian taste in books, and all the things I want are impossible to get over here, except in very expensive rare editions or in Barnes & Noble's grimy marked-up schoolboy copies. Um, Which they I, still I sell, be- though they're not marked know, up, was- but they still sell cheap, <laughs> yeah, like school copies. <laughs> Yeah, I was, like, surprised that Barnes & Noble, like, I didn't, I, I don't know the history of Barnes & Noble, but I was like, oh, man, like, she would, uh, she's, like, the original almost, like, hipster, like, n- n- down with, like, the big man. <laughs> like, I just, I thought that was so great. Like, what a great insight into her, her personality from the very get-go, where even where she's kind of, like, reaching out almost formally, it's still fairly informal in tone especially that Mm. dig at barnes and noble i was just like this is going to be an interesting read from the get-go yeah i think they get to her personality quickly and i can you tell or do you think maybe i'm overreading but do you think they've been omitting certain letters too from the chain um i know that there's i think probably what happened is she lost those letters because also there's like um the the letters that she sent off to like um Frank Dole's wife and to the old lady that made the lace for her. Um, there's no way that she would have those copies unless, like, she reached back out to them and they sent her those copy those letters back. You know what I mean? Um, or if she, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, copied down a copy of that letter, I, that'd be weird. So, well, yeah, and I guess the technicalities. I don't want to dwell on them anyway. But the only reason I bring it up is because I think they're quick to get to her personal voice. So, and I think that she was pretty quick to offer it she seems like a pretty fun and funny person just generally yeah. so i'm not surprised mm-hmm. that it only took her a couple letters to start you know firing off some quips and injecting some personality she's also a professional writer e- even if a down on her luck one at the time mm-hmm. but she still yeah. has the obviously the impetus to for voice and like the kind of it seems like maybe not the formal training she mentions she didn't graduate college at some point but she clearly had studied and has a knack for books and reading and everything so not surprising to see but they they get to her voice pretty quickly which i mean yeah. You kind of have to make this thing sing. It's it's the thing that it's the engine that keeps it moving, sort of, or makes it interesting. She mm-hmm. on page three. This is the, I pulled the quote too early on about just the first signs where I really started to get this book. Why this book would be would be put together, I suppose, why someone would historically want to save it. She talks about, again, the junk of American books. She says, being used to the dead white paper and stiff cardboardy uh, covers of American books, I never knew a book could be such a joy to the touch, which is nice. And then later, will you please translate your prices hereafter? I don't add too well in plain American, and I haven't a prayer of ever mastering bilingual arithmetic, which is a great little, (laughs) I don't know what that expression would be considered. Not like a paradox or something. I guess just like a pun, loosely. Yeah. but no, it's, it shows her humor and insight, and she is obviously quite open and funny. She likes to tease, which you forget how seeing writing in letters when it's done skillfully can be. I don't know. It just it, It's one thing I'm nostalgic for, I think. I'm also a person who I feel like I do okay with contemporary tech correspondence, but I don't know. I'm a bit nostalgic for times when you didn't have to quite 
communicate with people as often or as quickly. Like I, right. I it's almost like I'd rather send one very thoughtful and interesting letter a month than than fifty texts or something. But it's just a not a position a modern person can have. <laughs> um, so anyway, it was nice to see these little bits of voice and everything. It was uh, almost kind of cute or nostalgic. It was, yeah, the especially when you compare to when Frank Dole first begins writing, he's very formal and like kind of doesn't even address the humor <laughs> right, in right. um in the the letters, but then like later he does say, "I'm not quite as, you know, boring as as I I might come off on paper." <laughs> and I think it's one of the coworkers he has who goes out of her way, she secretly writes her back. And sort yeah. of behind his back writes her and basically says something to that effect. Like he's more interesting yeah. than he seems, you know, and that he's he's maybe not quite so bland a person. But it is funny to watch him dodge some of the insults that they get <laughs> that yeah. he gets, I should say, from her. Which yeah. <laughs> it is it is part of the fun charm of of the book overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her um uh when she's like pretending to be upset about something, like those are some of the funniest little bits. Um, in the book, in the collection. Yeah. Um, I have um, on page 27, which is the April 16th, 1951 letter, says here, uh, thank you for the beautiful book. I've never owned a book before with pages edged all around in gold. Would you believe it arrived on my birthday? I wish you hadn't been so over-courteous about putting the inscription on a card instead of on the flyleaf. It's the bookseller coming out and you all, you were afraid you'd decrease its value. You would have increased it for the present owner and possibly for the future owner. I love inscriptions of flyleaves and notes and margins. I like the comradely sense of turning pages someone else turned and reading passages someone long gone has called my attention to. So I read that and I was like, this is, this is such a great example of like, of, of somebody who really does just love books. And she talks a little bit about like reading them and like, uh, she specifically asked for like a lot of like more nonfiction and and, like ancient texts. Um, but just her, her pure appreciation for, the beauty of books, like the physical beauty of the books, but also when she talks about like how it feels um, like there's a kinship there whenever you read somebody else, like you get a secondhand book and you read somebody else's notes or you read the inscription and stuff. I was like, yeah, I love getting secondhand books like that too, where I can like read somebody else's notes and I'll be like, huh, that's something to think. It's almost like a, Mm. a weird like book club with like, where you don't actually get to like, perhaps verbally converse with somebody but you right, get, it's right. almost like writing notes back and forth in that way I, I I also I just I just so appreciated that and I, I could totally relate to that idea it as is, well it is one of those beautiful capital R romantic pure idea notions that I has just never really worked out for me I feel like the ones I see are I've had some that have been heavily underlined but that is it's intriguing of course because then you get to really just suppose what they were thinking or why it would have mattered to them mm-hmm. but I feel like the ones that I see in the margins maybe in college I got some secondhand books that had that I mean I, I mark up my own occasionally I'll say that doing this podcast because we read 
I'm not sure why this changed because it would be helpful to write the notes. I think it's because, you know what it is, actually, this is a clear, there's a clear connection. It's because we do these outlines, like we have a Google Doc with an outline. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I don't really write in the books anymore. I just mark the pages, like I fold the corners and I guess it's called dog earring. And so I've just, that's become my system. I mean, I used to write in things whenever I would read basically anything, but this has just become that for me. Like, I, th- I think this is the equivalent of like, I would have written these notes down roughly more or less. It's just that now we have this Google Doc instead. <laughs> um, yep. So, but no, I've, that is a, it's a really quite a wonderful idea. I think that quote better illustrates one thing I'm also nostalgic for reading this, which is books is really valuable, rare item, collector's items, which, but you know, that's a double edged thing, of course. It's better that books are accessible today. It's just an objectively better thing <laughs> that they're cheaper, easier to get your hands on, easier to share. Um, you know, more readily available. Like this is, it's a positive for sure, but it is quite, again, quaint, nostalgic, cute feels demeaning to say. I'm not sure if cute's the word I want. I don't know. I'm trying to think of words that don't make me sound corny or off like neat or I don't know, but it it's nice to hear somebody who views them as precious treasures instead of just, you know, like nice to have, but whatever it's instead it's right. quite meaningful. Right. I'm trying to think yeah. of a modern equivalent, but most media today is pretty cheap. I mean, the most expensive media for a one object type of transaction is a video game, right? $70 yeah, for, for sure. a new one these days. So it's like, and yeah. I know some people treat their collections that way too, though, where they hold on to them. The problem with games is that the technology changes, which means old ones do become straight up obsolete unless you keep the old hardware, which is its own just mess. And books don't mm-hmm. go through that uh, devolution, evolution. <laughs> they don't, yeah, I guess it is kind of, well, it's an evolution literally, but in a logistic sense, it's a devolution. But um, at any rate, yeah, so that is a funny difference. But I guess games are the closest we get to that, or maybe vinyl. Vinyl's still kind of expensive. Oh, yeah. yeah. Collector's it items. It can be for sure. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I got a quote here for her personality because it's the the shining star of the book. Though some of the Brits, yeah. <laughs> I've enjoyed some of the Brit kind of back and forth, but it without her voice kind of injecting the life into this thing, it would be, I'm not sure why it would even be published, but she, she brings it to life. But anyway, um, this is some sincerity from her, which is why I chose it on 13. She says, please write and tell me about London. I live for the day when I step off the boat train and feel its dirty sidewalks under my feet. I want to walk up Berkeley Square and down Wimpole Street and stand in St. Paul's where John Don preached and sit on the step Elizabeth sat on when she refused to enter the tower and like that. A newspaper man I know who was stationed in London during the war says tourists go to England with preconceived notions so they always find exactly what they go looking for. I told him I'd go looking for the England of English literature and he said, then it's there. And then she just signs off. What a great quote from someone else, <laughs> but still yeah. very charming. It's a really beautiful little, you know, so so concise and wise or something that you'd think it was fiction. Um, but I, I like the sincerity. She she does, of course, come across as kind of a goof. And um, am I saying the right words tonight? See, this is why we can't record at night anymore. I feel like my adjectives are just all <laughs> improper and all jumbled. <laughs> she's not goofy. She does come off she's as lighthearted. Like, she is slightly, yeah, there you playful, go. Lighthearted. That's playful the good one. maybe is better. Mm-hmm. She definitely likes, and she even admits to kind of poking and needling, not cajoling, but messing with them a bit. Anyway, and so seeing the sincerity is nice. And, you know, it's she's, she writes quite eloquently and clearly about what she'd like to see. And I enjoyed that bit of sincerity, I guess. Mm-hmm. The uh, that end quote, Lamb, about the English literature in England, and and actually, like when I was in um, when I was doing my masters, I went to England 
um, for a project about Jane Austen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that struck a chord with me, and I was like, I get this girl. Like I I know her. <laughs> like uh-huh. she... yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got a, I've got a, a real kinship with her. <laughs> well, and I wonder I wonder what eras remain there. Like, did you feel like you found Austen to be there? Is that even possible? Is, is the distance in time and history too vast? No, um, I didn't think so. Like it was, my project was actually about like the like Jane Austen's complete like disdain for city life versus the the country life. So I actually got to see both the city and um, I, I toured about um, a bit of the countryside. I actually stayed in a smaller town rather than oh, okay. staying in London, um, which turned out to be her dad's birth town like i had no idea that 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 just like was a a happy happenstance but like yeah um yeah and and it was i could see like why she really like played up the beauty of like the countryside and stuff because it it was beautiful it was great it was leisurely to walk around and everybody was really like you know friendly and yeah interesting this is great yeah that's excellent (laughs) okay i because i imagine like someone who's nostalgic for I don't know Shakespearean what 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 era is that Elizabethan I forget the you know the Dina or um, the designations and periods but if you're nostalgic for that I'm not sure what London you could find but maybe if you're nostalgic for I don't know why would you be nostalgic for World War II era London but at any rate I think you get the point it's just <laughs> the further you get away I wonder what you can really go rediscover but I suppose the culture and like you said some of the Maybe some of the countryside maintains that charm, but yeah, seeing her yeah. yearn for it and again be pretty sincere about it, I've I found very charming. It's nice. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Any final quotes from you? I have one more. Do you have one more? Yeah, I've got one more. Yeah. This one is from page forty-seven, which is her March third, nineteen fifty-two letter, um, and this um. She talks a little bit about her job um, where she's actually writing. Uh, she's a script writer for, I guess it's a murder mystery show. Yeah. Um, yeah. She doesn't like fiction, so too, like, which is a nice twist. I found that, yeah. I mean, annoying, you know, personally. I, I look down on her opinion. But no, it's funny to know that she's, <laughs> you know, she's just making a living as a script writer. Yeah. Um, she says, didn't I ever tell you I write arty murders for Ellery Queen on television? All my scripts have artistic backgrounds, ballet, concert hall, opera, and all the suspects and corpses are cultured. <laughs> Maybe I'll do one about the rare book business in your honor. You want to be the murderer or the corpse? That last yeah. question, I just is like, <laughs> like kind of chuckled. I was like, oh, she's got such a great personality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, that's a good binary to force somebody into as well. Extremely winning, yeah. very funny. She, yeah, she's clever. This is, and I can't tell again if it's my just. Sometimes I, I don't even communicate with that many people on a daily or weekly basis. But sometimes I just yearn for the kind of writing where it's again less frequent, but way more thought out or something, or people really yeah. put the put the extra edit effort in, and I can't even 100% say that she's doing that but it could just be that she's a quality thoughtful clever person and writer overall but there there's something to really to make my heart feel full and kind of again like yearn for here it's anyway interesting yeah and um i she mentioned the show ellery queen i was like hmm i i have never heard of that show no no me neither i mean it would have been in the 50s right yeah but um, I mean, there are some shows from like the fifties that have you know 
people know about these days, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think, well, it's this is another funny timing thing. When we're recording this in uh, mid-April, there's about to be a Writers Guild strike, I think, like a Hollywood writer oh. strike again. They're about to do a contract-based kind of strike. So it's, yeah, it's funny hearing her, because she... she discusses her own situation and seems to she describes herself sort of impoverished or at least I don't know not having very many means like she certainly has a place to live and can afford to take care of herself but generally she speaks down on her own situation to, to put it one way and so yeah, yeah it, it, just another weird coincidence of timing I guess that's so funny and what's funny too is um, she was saying that she's making quite a bit of money. It's $200 per script is what she's making. Right. And I was just like, that seems so little. But I mean, I guess that's a lot of money back then. But Inflation. also, I don't think it really Inflation. was. <laughs> I think, it, yeah, I, I didn't do. I was quite tempted, though, because I'm so glad you brought up the, the figure exactly. But I, yeah, I was so glad to see the actual figures, but I didn't do the inflation check. I should have, though. In uh, what what was year was that? Like nineteen fifties? I think so. Fifty one or two. It'd be about twenty five hundred today. Twenty five hundred per script. Yep. Interesting. I wonder. Yeah, and I wonder how often scriptwriters say. I mean, a script can take forever to finish. <laughs> but then again, yeah. maybe writers sell multiple. You know, frequently. I think in her case, wasn't it a script as in like a weekly TV show, kind of like an episode based script? It wasn't like for a film that would take years to develop or something, right? Right. Yeah. So, it would be episodic. Anyway, yeah. Well, let's end the tangent here. Though it was an interesting modern <laughs> connection to modern day current <laughs> events. But yeah. So, it, uh, but I just found that connection to be kind of fascinating. Um, that seems comfortable-ish, but it's hard to make it in New York, though. It's the other caveat, obviously. Difficult place to earn mm. and make a living sometimes. One more quote I had, just from the quote section anyway, which is her opinion of fiction. I mentioned this or alluded to it earlier. Let's just briefly get this out of the way. She's not. She's a fiction hater. Um, this is from page 44. <laughs> and she, she opens it. Well, I'm going to save that one for later anyway. Never mind. <laughs> I was going to spoil something, but now I don't want to. Um, well, two things from this one, actually. Firstly, she says, you may add Walton's lives to the list of books you aren't sending me. It's against my <laughs> principles to buy a book I haven't read. It's like buying a dress you haven't tried on, but you can't even get Walton's lives in a library over here. So firstly, what'd you think of that? Isn't that pretty? That's a, again, such a different view of books. They're so f affordable these days. Right. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, I, mean, I was thinking when I read that, I, I thought about you specifically because you don't reread books. <laughs> no, and I like keeping them around. They're like mementos. It's my one hoarder. Yeah. It's my I got my one hoarder object. My collector tendency is only really for books. I don't feel it about any other media really. It's just books. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I also will buy books sight on or you know sight unseen, book unread, <laughs> sight unread, yep. uh, just off of reviews and recommendations. I also think though that I. I curate that stuff pretty thoughtfully and I know whose reviews I trust, so to speak. So I feel okay about buying a book I am just committing to for the first time. But I do, I mean, I have a whole shelf dedicated to the things I could be reading. You know, it's like my future, future reads bookshelf. And then in the same letter, uh, her opinion on fiction doesn't matter. Q quoted enough of it. So I know I'll like it. Anything he liked, I'll like, except if it's fiction, I never get interested in things that didn't happen to people who never lived. Ah, cruel, cruel, Helene, cruel. <laughs> <laughs> it is, I mean, but it's funny, though. I hear 
not from students I currently have or something, but I feel like I hear just in general, adults, students I've taught, whatever. It's just such a common sentiment that you can't, I guess you can't really get around it. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess so. I Then again, those people in the modern day, um, usually at least like some kind of media that is fictionalized, right? TV, movies, whatever. Yeah. So it's, it's a shame, of course, when I'm like, oh, well, you know, it's a shame you're closing your heart to such a beautiful open art form with a long, illustrious history. But, you know, what can I say? <laughs> yep. Defi- it- yeah. Definitively, then, would she not be listening to the podcast today? I don't think so. I mean, I think that she would, because it's nonfiction. Well, about her own stuff, yes, but ours is largely fiction. Yeah. About fiction, I meant covering fiction. Yeah. So, Helene might be out on us. She might have liked um, our our one about um, Pandora's Jar. Of course. Might like that one, yeah. Oscar Wilde we've got in there. I think like Mm -hmm. the show we've designed here, it's kind of come and go podcast anyway. It's not weekly appointed viewing or listening for most people. It's you come and you go. You see a book you like, you Mm -hmm. jump in, and then you wait for the next one. So, yeah, she'd fit right in here. Let's move on to her motifs. We've been jumping around the quotes. Let's put it together in a motif segment. This is a segment we do in book club, part ones anyway, where we discuss some recurring thing. Could be a style element, could be an idea or theme that we want to explore or discuss with some examples plucked. Do you want to do your motif first? Sure, I can do it. Yeah, go for it. Um, I did the motif of um, the end of the war, um, end of World War II. So there's a lot of um, historical aspects to the writing, like historical references, historical for us. Um, so yeah, there's yeah. stuff like the rationing. So it's both for the food and for the nylons. But um, she speaks as though like America doesn't have any rationing going on. It's just England, which is why she sends over tins of, of food. And she sends um, Frank Dole's wife. Um, and daughters, uh, a few nylons and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, there's also mention of the Royal Air Force. So the other person that she writes to in the in the company, um, Cecily, who's the one who reached out and was like, Frank is really a nice guy, and we just you know don't think that we're ungrateful. It's just he would be so angry if anybody else got to write to you. <laughs> like he's like really jealous of like his correspondence. A I funny kind of irony. Because he doesn't, at first, of course, he doesn't go out of his way to make much of it, but then we know secretly he's been savoring it, which is, again, another just kind of charming revelation. Yeah, it is. Um, But yeah, so the um, Cecily's husband is stationed in Norfolk with the the Royal Air Force. Um, So there's that. There's um, on page 27, which is um, April 16th, 1951. The um, when she's talking about America's response to like the sufferings of England, so mm-hmm. she says, um, "I send you greetings from America, faithless friend that she is, pouring millions into rebuilding Japan and Germany while letting England starve. Someday, God willing, I'll get over there and apologize personally for my country's sins. And by the time I come home, my country will certainly have to apologize for mine." <laughs> nice. <laughs> she's always got her eye on the ball as a writer. She she does. Always ready. She's got yeah, got a quip, got a witticism. She's yeah, she's good. 
But I like that insight of, um, like, and she's obviously very aware of, like, the, the political times, right? So she's she's an intelligent mm-hmm. woman, and she's keeping up with what's going on globally. So um, that's another, like, piece of insight into who she is as a person and as a writer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then both Frank and Helen discuss um, Churchill... So she, but of course she's like a bit irreverent when it comes to him. Um, So this is what Frank says. Um, We are all hoping for better times after the election. If Churchill and company get in, as I think and hope they will, it will cheer everyone up immensely. So hopeful. And a supporter of Churchill. And then um, Helen's response is, hold on one second. Congratulations on Churchill and co. Hope he loosens up your rations a little. (laughs) <laughs> and then she's like, hey, is your name Welsh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is your family from Wales? Tosses it in at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that was like, that's another example of the um, how the war and, and the end of the war still kind of like is on everybody's mind. And then finally, I thought this one was like really funny and I just kind of had to... Um, included in there. Um, Frank tells her, like, hey, instead of sending us the cash in these letters, you should do a money order because it's more secure. Like, I don't want somebody, like, running off with your money in in the letter. Um, And so she says... In response to that, in close, please, God, find $8. Did I tell you about Brian's lawsuit? He buys physics tomes from a technical bookshop in London. He's not sloppy and haphazard like me. He bought an expensive set and went down to Rockefeller Plaza and stood in line and got a money order and cabled it or whatever you do with it. He's a businessman. He does things right. The money order got lost in transit. Up His Majesty's Postal Service. (laughs) So I thought that was just so funny that she's like, yeah, I'm going to keep sending you this, like, the actual crisp bills. Yeah, um, yeah. And, <laughs> but also that last, like, up his up his butt, like, <laughs> F you post office. Like, I well, just thought she, was so funny. <laughs> I just thought of this, too, or, or thought of it earlier. You mentioned something, but doesn't she at some point basically advocate for amazon.com model where she says it's like more efficient for you to just for me to write you across the ocean and you send me things than to go down the street to the bookshop at some point she she literally turns into a covid era shut-in ordering hundreds (laughs) of packages from amazon a week essentially like in real time or in historical time that was one of my notes uh i wrote down when i I read that particular piece of the passage i wrote down she would love amazon (laughs) like that was my note would have blown her mind Books are cheap. I have to imagine, per in a you know per cost of book manner, much cheaper, and the the accessibility would really blow her away. I mean, ebooks, even alone, the, the fact that you can get a lot of things for free through, through Gutenberg and everything, like who knows what she would have made of it all? Her head would have been in a tizzy. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. No doubt. It is cool. Do you think this book could be recommended, firstly, as a historical document? Then it is interesting in that sense. I don't know about firstly. I think firstly it's a it's a study of like um like writing style. I yeah, think. And yeah. then I would say um then I would say like then you could do it like look through it for like the historical references and stuff. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I think so too. Her voice is to me definitely the most gripping element, no question. Yeah. But I do think that as you were talking through some of those examples, it's not an insignificant part of it. And I think, again, can't tell fully how she decided to edit it, what she decided to include or not. But the war is a pretty potent theme so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So cannot be ignored. 
I'll jump in with my motif then. Mine is work and business, which the book does not let you forget that they are doing transactions at times, which I've mostly appreciated. I think it's actually for the better. It's also clear, mm-hmm. as we've noted quite well, the British side of the correspondence is more reluctant to be fun or personal. So the business stuff is definitely a little bit you know, clear on their end. But there's been some mm-hmm. nice little details and snippets. I do love that it starts with a that she gets a translation of the bible that she just loathes so it's it's a little bit of both right we get her she opens in all caps this letter what kind of a black protestant bible is this kindly inform the church of england they have loused up the most beautiful prose ever written whoever told them to tinker with the vulgate latin they'll burn for it you mark my words which that'll it's a quote that'll come up later um uh, quite a thing to throw at a church she also says that she's jewish so that's you know she she can escape the scorn of the catholic church I guess, but it's just, yeah. <laughs> it's so I, I think it's just clever to see that it's very practical, of course, and that there's this real almost scholarly work being done on her end. I mean, she wouldn't consider herself such, but if you're debating the quality and merits of translations, you're basically right there. I mean, you're, you're just not doing it formally, but you're doing it. So <laughs> if you have clear opinions and thoughts on, on the effectiveness of those things, but I, I like mm-hmm. seeing this business back and forth, even, even the money stuff where they, cause it comes up pretty often how much she owes or doesn't, it comes across as charming most of the time. And I, it's funny if it was just her quips and if it was just all personal stuff, I don't know if I would like it as much. It's almost like getting a little mini break when you're reading to just read some like mm. business or something. Yeah. And, and it also keeps in mind that um, like when he is so formal, the reason he is so formal is because it is a business transaction first and foremost. And, mm-hmm. and as like we continue reading and he gets more and more personal, it's just, I think it adds to the charm of like, almost like breaking through this business exterior to to get to like a, a true friendship there yeah this is uh, on page 10 one of her better letters i think and it again it relates to the business element she says frank dole what are you doing over there you are not doing anything you're just sitting around and then she asks for some books she says um you leave me sitting here writing long margin notes and library books that don't belong to me someday they'll find out i didn't take my library card away and then she talks about more poems she needs and then she ends by saying well don't just sit there go find it i swear i don't know how that shop keeps going and then the next letter from him is extremely professional and to the point and basically just says we're sorry we'll keep doing better like he doesn't he doesn't Mm -hmm. play in her tone at all he doesn't he doesn't jump in her tonal pool so to speak which is yeah i found hilarious to see the back back to back but it is again it's the core of it is there just kind of like i mean in her own fun funny way just sort of like hey can i i need more books like are you guys backed up what's going on (laughs) it's kind of yeah Yeah. it's a good combination or something yeah let's talk about the tv writer gig i did pull one quick quote sorry i turned away for a second there it's probably too quiet to hear (laughs) so sorry listeners but yeah let's talk about the tv writer gig i know we've we've kind of danced around it and i don't think we've read any quotes no we did this is the same one but yeah she says two bills he said carelessly which it turned out means 200 and she's normally a 40 dollar a week script reader i go down to see him tomorrow fingers crossed so I, i like that he used a business slang term that she as kind of a down on her luck type of writer who hasn't gotten great work didn't even understand that that meant 200 she may have thought it meant two dollars i I got the impression maybe maybe i'm inferring too much but that she would have accepted two dollars per script just kind of like yeah i guess i'll take it i mean you know it's insulting but i need the pay and instead it's 200 which is um yeah oh yeah very funny yep 
Yeah, I also got a good chuckle out of that. There have been um, a couple of words that have popped up that I was just like, what What does this one mean? Um, but I can't remember what they... Pro- like, um, props? Speaking of, like, it, it, that brought it to mind because she might have misunderstood. So, like, so I'm like, oh, okay. I just noticed on your last invoice it says, B, Marks, M, Cohen, props. Are they kosher? I could rush a tongue over. Advice, please. So oh. I was like, props? What, is that, what does that mean? <laughs> and you said something after about kosher. Those things aren't related. So it's not like a meat or food thing? It, it was because this is when um, she sent off the first Christmas package. A ham, right? Wasn't there a big yeah. ham at some point? Yeah. Yeah, she sends over a huge ham. And then she like... She, so she writes a letter saying, hey, I'm sending over this ham. And then the next letter is, oh, my God, crisis. I just noticed that these are Jewish names, I guess. So and then she says props and then asks, are they kosher? So I was like, props. What is that? What is Interesting that? What does that mean for that? I'm <laughs> yeah. not certain either. Maybe, yeah, some sort of like, hmm. I don't all the words I'm thinking of to replace it with don't have anything to do with those letters. <laughs> yeah. You know, like oh no or wait a second or hold on or oops. I but yeah, yeah, interesting. I hadn't you're right. I've been I've been sort of glossing over I think in my mind some of those interjections. Some of the Yeah. the historical terms that she uses. Yeah. The yeah. final thing about business and then we'll jump out of the motifs, but at some point the booksellers respond to her and do give her some insight. They talk about how they went to I don't. It wasn't an estate sale, but it was basically they went to an old English manor and <laughs> just bought some books and went through somebody's personal collection and grabbed some things. And so mm-hmm. it says, "I'm glad to say that I've managed to dig out a few books for you from a private library that we have just bought. There's a Lee Hunt, which includes most of the essays you like, also a Vulgate New Testament, which I hope will be okay. I have also included a dictionary to the Vulgate, which you might find useful. There's also a volume, and then he talks about the money and the cost and everything. Sends his thanks, but." I, again, I, it's not the most riveting reading, perhaps, but I think that it balances her well. And I, it's you're right, it's almost a bit of history. It's a bit of you know, world building is a strange way to put it for real things. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think that that wrapper around her voice is kind of just what it needed. Because um, again, if it was just her firing off clever letters and being smart and funny, at that point, I would just want the essay collection. You know, it's like give her, right. give her right. a Joan Didion forward. You know, forward her the money for that book and. Let Let's see what she's got and you know she's quite a good writer but so no i think i p- wanted to pick up on the work things just to say that i actually think the back and forth framing around the books is kind of perfect and you noted in the quotes too that it's it's sort of this baseline love of books that i think we as book readers can just i don't know i guess we're suckers for it right or marks is the term right. where we were mm-hmm. always going to like that exchange so yeah yeah, and, and I think on that page, too, uh, that you were quoting from, there's a mention of, of Pep- Pepys. Mm-hmm. Didn't we read him? Yeah, I think so. Was that part of the Penguin Little Black Classics? Yeah, was he the one, hmm. um, there was like a fire at one point? Something about I, a fire? Yeah, quite possibly. I truly don't remember, but the name does ring a bell. Very faint back of the mind bell. Yeah, so we read excerpts from his diary, which I guess is like the same diary that she's looking for. And so if it's the one that I'm thinking of, I remember not enjoying that reading. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's fair. Any other thoughts on any other thoughts on the work aspects, the business of it all? Uh, 
no, I was I was pretty interested in when she was talking about how she's a professional writer, a script writer. I was like really interested in that, and, I, and I'm hoping that we get a little bit mm. more glimpses yeah. of of that as because I mean I want to know what that's like and you know how she does that. And so. you're right too. Is right around when TV even became you know a commonly accepted popular medium for things. So she's yeah. kind of in the the nascent or the early days of that, which is, that's kind of interesting in its own way. You're right. I, I hope we get a couple sprinkles of it too. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, no, I think good, good motifs both. And there actually were some ones to pick up on too. It wasn't, um, I know it's not a literary work, but there were some clear ideas, themes that, that were pretty interesting. So excellent. Okay. And I knew this was going to be a shorty anyway. This book is, is quite brief, but <laughs> that's fine. We're going to clock in. We usually clock in over an hour, so maybe we clock in under for once, you know? Clock out what? early. I know. Take a little break, a couple <laughs> extra minutes to just lounge. What a gift. Anyway, yeah, I suspected this would be a short one, but yeah, it's it's a short book and it's been fun and short and charming. Let's end with our yeah. list, shall we? Want to make a list? Let's do it. Let's do it. In part one, we always end with making a list of top three things. We customize the list to fit the book. I went hard on this one, just chose it, didn't even ask you if you'd want to do it. I just figured we had to. <laughs> it seemed yeah. fitting. I mean, there were, I guess, uh, our motifs always make for good lists too, but we already use those for the motifs. So now we're doing the list. Uh, I just went with top three Hellenisms, which I, it's basically just things she says. Interesting, fun, goofy, silly hilarious mean cutting she i don't know if she's cutting but she could be you know a little bit a little bit harsh i guess at times acidic nicely acidic you know well (laughs) i'm just mumbling my way through it tonight but at any rate top three hellenisms that's what i'm calling it amanda you're first you're number three for things that she said yeah, uh, my number three is from page 47 i I briefly read it but um just really quickly um, such such beautiful, mellow, rough-cut pages they are. I do feel for poor William T. Gordon, who wrote his name in it in 1841. What a crummy lot of descendants he must have to sell it to you casually for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Taking a swipe at the whole family line. <laughs> exactly. Not it's, afraid to go broad. It's very her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not afraid of the big swings. Speaking of going broad, my number three, Hellenism. They'll burn for it, which to which she's referring to <laughs> yeah. the Catholic Church, <laughs> um, because her Protestant Bible translation is so awful. Or is it the opposite way? Is she burning the Protestant Church or the Catholic? I thought it was, well, anyway, it doesn't matter. She's burning one sect of the Christian, you know, faith. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Because yeah, she, I think it was the Church of England. Church, maybe? okay, yeah, it was their crummy translation of the Latin. But yeah. at any rate, she's not afraid to go after the whole group, and is she's taking no prisoners, so to speak. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, for your number two? My number two um, is page 17, um, where she receives a book from them, but they have wrapped her book in uh, the, the pages of another book. Oh, um, yeah. And so Great moment. <laughs> she says, yeah. Um, all I have to say to you, Frank Dole, is we live in depraved, destructive, and degenerate times in a bookshop. A bookshop starts tearing up beautiful old books to use as wrapping paper. Excellent. I was like, mm-hmm. That's, I would also be horrified. She's got it. There's a, um, 
Yeah, there's a sassiness to her that evokes, I don't know, like a, I just picture her, and it's so contextually wrong, just kind of like a southern woman walking out of a church, like fanning herself and just throwing zingers at everyone. Just, I don't, (laughs) it's totally the wrong, you know, literal thing, how she was living her life. But there is kind of a wholesome, wholesome meanness or something to her. Yeah. Which is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Always honest. My number two. Uh, when she just says, I shall try hard not to get gin and ashes all over it in reference to a brand new, like extremely value. She, it's like a first edition that she just thinks is the most precious item she's ever owned. She's um, yeah. even even skeptical of whether or not she should even possess such a nice thing. But I, it's mm-hmm. a great little character insight. And she's just always so honest about her own, I don't know, sins or faults or some, something, I guess. <laughs> um, and so, it's yeah, she's she's living a pretty free lifestyle there, Amanda. She's not she's not holding back. Yeah, I mean, heck, I know when I'm, you know, reading a book, I love to sip on some gin, too. <laughs> I, we've brought this up before. I don't mind retreading old ground, but I cannot read and drink. I just hate it. I Maybe one beer. And then after that, though, my mind is I want to do other activities. I don't – other media, ones, you know, I'll watch a show or something. But, yeah, something about reading and drinking just is I, not a favorite of mine. So – yeah, maybe, maybe some tea. Oh, but you don't sure. like tea. Maybe yeah, some iced tea. I, I like for chilled you. tea. Yeah, I like iced <laughs> tea. Go. Okay, I just like cold drinks. So I just, I just like yeah. a cool drink. Uh, what's your number one Hellenism from this first half? Um, so the, my number one is from page thirty-one, and um, it's her reaction to the Pepys that she does receive. Yes. Um, she says, this is not Pepys's diary. This is some busybody editor's miserable collection of excerpts from Pepys's <laughs> diary. May he rot. I could just spit. And then she says, I enclose two limp singles. I will make do with this thing till you find me a real Pepys. Then I will rip up this Airsatz book page by page and wrap things in it. <laughs> just, nice. That final line the guts as out. a throwback is so great. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I got a good chuckle out uh, of that. It's clever. She's, yeah, always <laughs> consistently clever, for sure. I'm going with yeah. a simple but effective approach. It is when she opens, and I almost spoiled this earlier, but I wanted to save it since I knew it was coming up for my number one. It's the letter in which she's critiquing their response rate and how they're not getting her the <laughs> thing she wants on time. She just opens that letter with full caps and says sloth. That's how she addresses <laughs> yeah. them and just says sloth. And then, of course, launches into the, you know, insults and everything. And, yeah, I just thought that's a perfect, you know, if you can hurl a one-word insult at somebody like that, why not? (laughs) Just go for it. Can you imagine, like, receiving these letters from this lady? Like, I would have been, like... But that's just dying yeah, of laughter. That's the charm of the distance and the tone, and you have to think. I don't know. Yeah, that's. Uh, we just lost something with text messages. You know, we just should undo mm-hmm. the whole enterprise. <laughs> just, it's just not the same. I I don't know. I'm nostalgic for the wrong things or something. Um, I don't want to turn into one of those people. I guess. But yeah, no. It's yeah. That there's a real joy in receiving something like that, and the surprise factor of it. That's such mm-hmm. a big part of it too. Yeah, sloth. Yeah. We're slothing. I've been slothful tonight in my own way, which is, you know, again, we record at night. That's the that's the Travis experience you're getting. Any other Hellenisms you wanted to hit? I we covered the I think some of the best. I I agree. Like I mean, everything. I feel like in every single letter that she includes, there's some little thing where it's just like you get a laugh out of it. It's, yeah, yeah. It's endearing. Or, She's very endearing. 
A real nugget. Well, between this episode and the previous book we just covered before this, which was a fantasy novel called Piranesi, we've stumbled upon some short gems, some really quick reading, but, you know, fun and insightful books. Hmm. All right, or no, am I off on that? Are you not finding this no. fun? Or <laughs> no, I am. Yeah, 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 I agree. I agree yeah, completely. We found some books that are um, easy, quick reading, short, and extremely good. So... At least this one, I think this one, well, we'll get to it in the recommendation episode for sure. I, I think there's a, some caveats, maybe. I don't know if everyone's got the patience to read correspondence, but this is, uh, you don't get too much more charming. So yeah. for a narrative yeah. voice, she's she's doing some extremely fun things. Any final she thoughts is. on the first half? I know we're coming in short tonight, but that's perfectly fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it so far. Yeah, yeah. Really enjoyable, really fun read. If you've been reading along with us, then, well, heck, you know that by now. But if you haven't been, maybe that's some motivation and you can go pick up this, what, 95-page book or <laughs> something? Yeah. Ba- back to <laughs> the Penguin. Short, guys. <laughs> yeah, back to the Penguin Classics days, honestly. Feels like, you know, light work. Anyway, yeah, that's 84 Cheering Crossroad, our, our thoughts on the first half. As always, we thank you for listening all the way through. We appreciate your listenership and we hope you enjoy the conversation. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Lightly Literary Podcast, which is all one word. So check us out there for just updates about what we're reading and what we've got coming up, general book updates and the like. Also, on any podcast platform you find us on, if you could rate and review, it helps a ton. So a little bit of a plug for us at the end. Those, I think, are used for recommendations and search purposes and things. So any ratings and reviews help a bunch. Thanks, as always. We're not going to discuss the next picks, right? Because that's not today's episode, Amanda. No worries there. That's right. <laughs> Skipping yep. right over that. Check <laughs> us out next Friday. We post our book club episodes on Friday, unless I forget, and then I do it, you know, maybe a Saturday <laughs> uh, when, it, when it slips my mind. But yeah, mostly Fridays we post these. And so check us out next Friday for part two of this same collection. And until next time, we'll see you between the pages. Yeah.